Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Since 71 podcast. Uh, my name's Stuart, I'm the founder of the website and um, I'm really pleased to be joined by Andy Cook today. Um, Andy is the, uh, what's, what's your job title? Would you, is it head coach or manager of uh, um, Forest Women? I think on my contract it's head coach, but um, probably manager and general dog's body. Mind, if you ask Steve Gray, who's a part of the football club, he'll, he'll say that I'm generally just a head coach, so... Yeah, we'll yeah. go with head coach. <laughs> cool. But um, I hope, hope you're doing well. Um, obviously, appreciate you coming on. Just to sort of start off with, um, I, I know I personally just wanted to find out a little bit more about your background from football. So from, from youth perspective, I, I don't know if you, were, if you were anything like me. Me personally, I wasn't a very good player. So uh, I ended up getting involved in coaching and, and doing this side of thing. Yeah, well, um, I suppose similar to yourself, Stuart. Yeah, I was... Uh... I was an okay player. Didn't uh, didn't get to the grand heights of uh, of academy football or anything like that. Um, and I think the the, the realization came from a uh, was uh, a friend of mine who uh, went on to play for Middlesbrough Sunderland and um, and then kind of was released at sort of eighteen nineteen. Um, well, I say a friend. He was best mate. He was best man at my wedding. And um, and I so I knew I knew how good he was. And so I think when you grow up with somebody that's like your best mate, you're playing football with every day and he's that good. And I'm looking at myself going, yeah, I don't think I've really got a chance here because, you know, he, he's getting, yeah, 16 years old, he was released from Middlesbrough and yet he was the best thing I'd ever seen play football. So, yeah, I always knew it was going to be tough. And it was one of them. It was kind of, well, got to 16 and it was, well, I'll tell you what, I can do my level one now and just jumped on jumped on the course at, at, at uh, the local FA. I'm from uh, Middlesbrough. Um, so it was the North Riding FA and just did my, my level one then. And then from there, yeah, just started coaching and coached at a local uh, boys team there. There was a, a team called Borough Rangers, um, took the under sevens. Um, and then kind of from there, it just progressed. It was level one, level two, um, started doing my B licence, went to university um, and then progressed on my A licence and, and managed to pass that. And it was kind of a, a bit of a whirlwind. There was almost a... Um, I'd say that was something that I probably planned um, in my head without actually, you know, without sort of verbalising it or writing it down of like, I, I want to, I want to pass my A licence and I want to sort of, to, to, to sort of be, I suppose, getting to that point was validation of like, people will listen to my opinion in a way. So it was always seemed like a natural progression for you. Then. Yeah, 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 yeah. And because I didn't have the football experience, it was like, well, I think I know what I'm talking about. So I need to get to a level where, you know, I can, can you know, you know, someone will go, oh, yeah, yeah, he's, he's got his A licence, he's got his B licence, he knows what he's talking about. Um, and then, it, and then it just, it kind of just progressed. But like I say, it wasn't anything that I wrote down. I just managed to work through it and um, managed to pass my A licence at 26. So it kind of took me 10 years from level one to, to A licence to get to there. But within that time, within that 10 years, I'd moved around and a load of different experiences with it as well. So it was obviously the, the grassroots club that I mentioned there, Borough Rangers, um, worked at uh, Darlington with the under 11s and 15s when they were last in the Football League and, and the sort of the conference uh, before they went out of business, before they rebranded. Uh, yeah. Worked at Middlesbrough College when I was at university as well. Um, went to Teesside University and, and again, loads of great experiences there with, you know, with regards to the, the degree and, and the lecturers that, that helped me out there. But again, a lot of stuff that I did then I didn't realise was helping me until I got into so these roles. What was your degree? Was it something to do with sport or completely separate? Uh, sports studies. So it was a sports and exercise science sports study. Um, so at the time it was more around sociology 
um, psychology and things like that. It wasn't more so the coaching science, which at the time, and again, being really open and honest about it, I just didn't get the grades to get on the coaching science degree. So it was like, what's the next best thing? Well, I'll do sports studies and, and go around there. But the sociology side of it and, and again, psychology side of it has helped me out probably more in this role than probably the coaching science because you know, I'm not having to deal with, you know, like Marcus as, as, as our G, as our sports scientist. I'm not having to deal with the GPS and, and things like that. I have an understanding and appreciation. But the sociology of dealing with people, dealing with different groups of people has, has helped me far more than I probably ever expected to. It's like day day one, isn't it? Maslow's hierarchy of needs for yeah. for that sort of and, course, isn't it? And it, and it is, yeah. it's so true, especially especially in sport. Yeah, and you kind of, like I said, at the time, I'm just going like, well, I need to get a degree because everyone has a degree. And in order to get a job, it's, you know, you look on job specs and it's, are you educated to a degree level? So it was one of those. I needed to, I need, I figured I need to get a degree to get anywhere in, in sport and in, in life, really, with it. So, again, there was a little bit of a, an, I need to do it. But ultimately, then that's now led to, to where I am now, where the, the, um, the, the things that I learn and I, I'm now working on and using daily. Um, you know, some of the players, to be fair, are, are, well, they, they are more, far more educated than I am. But, you know, some of the conversations we have with a few of the players around sociology and some of the topics that I did at university, um, you know, of, of different little bits that, that come up are really, are really quite interesting. But again, did I know that I was going to do that when I'm 21, 22? Um, not at all. But the, the, the other side for me, which I kind of say to a lot of young coaches when they ask for, you know, bits of advice or what did I do in this, that and the other is you've got to go out and, and basically say yes to almost everything. Um, not like the film Yes Man, you know, you don't want to get into those situations. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but, you know, you've got to, you've, you've just got to be like, well, yeah, I'm, I'm going to do my courses. I'm going to do, uh, I'm going to get on a different, different, co- whatever it is, different courses, different education little bits, go and speak to people and ask questions because you don't know where it's going to go to and you don't know where it's going to lead to. And for me, I was... I was doing my dissertation in my final year of uni and I was on part of my A license. So when I'm leaving university, and again, this wasn't planned. I'm not trying to say this, that this was the grand plan of everything. It's just the way that it worked out. I was leaving university, not just with a degree. I was on the part A of my A license at 20, what have I been? I've been 22 then. I went to university a little bit later than um, than most. When the first year of uni was like 19. So it was like a year and a half. Later than it sounds to me that it's it's more about your personality. So you're someone that thinks, if I'm going to do this, I want to do it to the best of my ability. And here are some resources that I can do to help aid in that development. And it doesn't. I've always thought that it doesn't matter what job I'm doing, do it to the best of your ability. Put you put as much effort in as you can, and and just do it well. And one of the things that I've enjoyed most about being involved in women's and girls football is the continual professional development that's available is fantastic. Um, I've been able, being South Coast based, I've been into um, CPD days with uh, people like Perry Northeast, who's uh, yeah. up, uh, involved at, um, I think he's the, you have to excuse me, Perry, if I get your title wrong, but I think he manages <laughs> the uh, the RTC down in, in uh, Brighton Hove Albion. And yeah. um, at the time he was the head coach of the uh, England uh, beach soccer team. And these sorts of opportunities, you just you just don't get in uh, boys and men's football, um, and it's so it's it's fantastic. And if you really if you've got these, it really gives you the enthusiasm and drive to actually think I, I, I want to go on and do this, and I want to go on and kind of push myself to the highest level. And just just looking at um, 
your LinkedIn earlier this morning. I see you've had stints with uh, with Arsenal, Durham, Oxford United, Sunderland, and now Nottingham Forest. I think with all of them, you probably thought, okay, well, I'll I'll do this and I'll maybe learn, take a bit out of it. And you're like, well, that's fantastic. And then another opportunity comes. You think, right, well, I'll 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 kind of go there and. The, the network and the doors it opens when you're a go-getter um, are, are, fan, are fantastic. And um, one thing that does interest me is when you look at these teams, they're dotted all over the United Kingdom. So how have you how have you managed to do this? Have you had to relocate for all of these, or yeah, uh, how? Yeah, anyone that anyone that knows me will probably laugh now because they, they know they know what I'm like. But um, I. I've only relocated for, only fully relocated for the job at Arsenal, um, purely based on the fact that the jobs pre after Arsenal were, I had to not just consider myself, I had to consider my wife and my family. Um, so the Arsenal job, I fully relocated because that was, um, what, was mid-20s at that point and could just finish you well. It had been a year or so out of university. So I fully relocated to, to North London and London called me for that and, that was that was that was brilliant. Um, the, the the time I spent there, and then moved back to the northeast again for, um, you know, for family and this that and the other. And so, the um, the other roles have been sort of part traveling, part staying up. But I think if the, again, I don't re I don't think people appreciate how how much actually that happens in football. You know, I think if 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 you're ever in the company of um, you know, professional footballers that, you know, male professional footballers, especially that are in um, the lower leagues, um, you know, your, your championship, maybe it's not your championship, but your league ones, your league twos, things like that, and, and your conferences. Some of those guys are travelling two, three hours for training, training and then travelling back. And, and that, and it just, it's just one of those things. And for me, it's, it's never, it's not an issue because it's, it's what I want to do. And, and I've always been fully supported by my family um, and, and my my immediate family in terms of wife, children and stuff, but my, my family of, of my, my mom and my dad, and, you know, sister and stuff like that have always supported me and, and you know, have, have helped where they can. But it's always been, it's never been a case of like, oh, it's a bit too far away coming from the northeast, you know, the job at Oxford. Um, it, it's it's the opportunities that it's going to get and, and where where that potentially could, you know, could lead to. I, the the dream at Oxford when I took, when I took the role at Oxford was first head coach role, you know, things are... Um, sort of the decisions are falling to my feet and, and you're having to make those. And at the time it was like, right, well, we're going to take Oxford from WSL2 as it was then. We're going to get into WSL1 or we're going to be fighting for that that sort of spot. But again, as you learn, that doesn't always happen. And so, you know, things that are out of your control, whether it be things to do with the club or the, the league restructures and all these different things come into play. And you've just got to manage the situation as best you can. And and hopefully come out of it with you know with a, a little bit of experience. And I think that's what what I did at Oxford. But I've got to say that you know, and, and I was a part of his A license um, final um, final assessment. Liam Gilbert, who's who took over from myself at Oxford, he's done yeah. a brilliant job, uh, absolutely brilliant job. And to be fair, when when I left and I spoke to the manager director, I said you've got to put him in him in put charge because you know I, I wanted him involved with me with a with the first team when I was there. Um, and he's just he's a brilliant bloke really good friend of mine now and, and that was from the time that we spent together and again he was it, something else that helped me out the, the amount of support that I gained from him like you know he, he kind of was like why are you spending money in hotels just come and stay with me so you know yeah. in terms yeah. of stuff like that you can't you know you can't 
you just you, people like that are just few and far between. You know, they were just kind of. He, he was like, "Look, I'm working. You, you've got your job, whatever. But like, look, could you come stay whenever you need to come down? There's 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 a bed here for you. So you know, you can't like. What do you say to people like that? They give you they give you everything. So that's where it kind of it's it's always been. It's it's never been an issue. So yeah, they have been dotted around the country. Um, the bases here in the northeast in Middlesbrough, um, or well, Redcar. I don't know if anyone knows that, but um, yeah, a lot of people know Saltburn, lovely area. Um, but um, but yeah, so that's that's where home is, and and basically, yeah, you, I, I travel from there. But you know, it's not too far. Nottingham's two hours. I don't do it daily. I stay down in the week. Um, and then come yeah. back and things like that. So, it's, so I guess yeah. um, like the co- the change in COVID working environment, such as working from home, have probably been really good, especially as your admin roles have increased um, after the departure of uh, Lee Billiard. Yeah, yeah, it um, it did help. It did help in that sense. But as you know, having a, a little one, um, and I've got two little ones, um, I personally prefer working from an office because I get more done. Um, but maybe that maybe says a bit more about me when some when the kids want to play with the brio sets. I'm getting fully if it involved. So, if it says something about you, then it says something about me as well. It's, um, it's that luxury. You're stuck in that little battle where you think, oh, I get to save petrol. I don't have to get showered until my lunch break. But then you think, oh, but at the same time, my am I going to get as much work done? And you think, oh, maybe not. Maybe yeah. I'll, maybe I might be better off going in the office. Yeah, but I mean. It has it has been good, but the nature of the role, you know, you you, you want to be around people, you want to be around the players, you want to be around the staff, and and yeah, it was it was it was okay. I think I found the first the first lockdown the worst because it was something new. The third one, it was kind of, you know, look, we've got to we just just grin and bear it. But yeah, um, I joke with the staff and and a few of the girls that have been with us for two years now that like I've been involved with Forest for going into my third season. We've in theory, I've never actually finished a. Or, or completed a game because the, the fixtures got null and void. So yeah, it's yeah. Uh, it's one of them strange strange situations. But yeah, it's uh, it's it's all good fun. So just to, so we'll just sort of touch on that quite quickly because obviously with with um, the increase in awareness in player welfare and that was never more important than um, during the times of COVID. How did you and the club manage that? period was it was your were you always on the phone to all the players all the coaches or did, how did it work did you always have a bit of a break for a while or rely on a, a, a team whatsapp group yeah no well we we have our a team whatsapp group as we we always do but during the first lockdown um it was again we we kind of took you know there was a maybe it's a week or so because it, it i think it was like for three weeks wasn't it it was like an initial like we're only gonna be locked down for three weeks and it turned into like three months um so the first sort of the first few weeks was just like look we'll we'll do a few zoom sessions and we'll kind of make it up as we go along um and then once things got extended it then was kind of obvious that we weren't um we weren't continuing so at that point you know we we'd started to do we'd obviously we had the zoom calls of little fitness sessions and this that and the other but then it kind of it just it, it sort of turned into right we need to start to plan for next season so the the welfare stuff kind of just came from, I suppose, the constant communication with the players. Um, of of this is what's happening. This, you know, we and and been open. Like, look, we don't know what's happening with the league. We don't know how, where we stand. This and the other. We've just got to wait and see. Um, and this is where I suppose the the biggest credit for me that that I've got to give is to Marcus and Paulina, our sports scientist and physio, because they took they took 
I'm going to say 95% of those sessions. And then every now and again, they would give the player a lead and one of the players would lead the session. Um, so, you know, there'd be 20, 25 people on a Zoom call and, you know, standing at the front like Joe Wicks and, and doing what uh, doing what they can to keep people going. So that first lockdown was, was quite tough from that point. But then when we came back in August, it was good. Um, and then... We then started, and then we had the November one, um, and then obviously the, the 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 one in January, February, March. Which by that time we kind of knew the process, and I think everybody was a little bit sort of um, familiar with right. This is the protocol that we go into. You know, we just fall back into right. We got the WhatsApp group, we got this, we got that, and we actually again, real huge credit to Marcus. He started a um, rock paper scissors contest. Um, I think that was in the. I think that was the first one and we continued it in each lockdown and all it was was you would he was the referee so he would set the fixtures up he would do everything and he would then you would like it say it was me versus yourself Stu I would text yeah. him like rock you would text him paper and then he would text us the result so oh, I would, oh, yeah, he, yeah, yeah, so yeah. he would he would text me saying I'm one nil down so then I'm thinking right you must use paper so I'm going to go scissors you would use paper again it's one one so this went on I like during that. All I like that. it was it was unbelievable and then the thing with Marcus which again you can't buy people and you can't buy person sorry you can buy people but you can't buy the personalities like an absolute diamond geezer he just he would start to do um and he just put it in the group once didn't tell anyone he was doing it and he did like a match of the day and he like, so he did himself presenting of like, right, we've got some big games tonight, Andy Cook versus a captain, Lindsay Harkin. And he did it as if he was like Gary Lineker. And then, and then it, it was on for about five minutes and then he cut and he did like a different accent and was like a different personality and then cut again. And as if he was like Roy Keane or Gary Neville and like, we were watching this and like, Brilliant. It, it sounds just, very it Ted Lasso. Um, I don't know if you've been oh, watching that. But yeah, yeah, it, was, it sounds it brilliant. Was, it was very sort of Ted Lasso. Now we see it, but yeah, unbelievable. But again, he never told anyone he was doing it. He just went and did it. And and again, you just you can't you can't buy people like that. It just it, what what an absolute bloke. Um, and that that kind of got us, you know, got us through that because it was a constant. And especially once we got into the November one, people were asking like, "Are we going to do rock paper scissors again?" And then once we got into the, <laughs> the, the January, February, March one, it was the same. It was like, we didn't run it at the beginning. I think we only, once it got to the middle of February, we were like, should we run it again? And we did it slightly differently yeah. and things like that. But yeah, the November one, everyone was like, right, we're getting involved. And it got quite competitive. Um, you know, you had league tables. It was, it was really good. So things like that, that again, there's no, there's no, there's no playbook for it. You know, you're just making it yeah. up off the fly. But if you've got people like that in the squad and, and, and in your staff, then you're on to an absolute winner. Um, so that was that was that was huge in that time. But yeah, hopefully, I think I'd, I'd like to think if any of the girls were, were you to ask any of them, they'd say it was you know it was as good as can be. They might have some of their own personal stuff going off in the background, which we all have. But as as a club, you know, I think we were we we did the best that we could for them. Yeah, it's, it's just such a really interesting period. Um, like I know obviously, so my little one was born three weeks before lockdown started. So first of all, I'm massively grateful I was there for the whole of the uh, the labour and the birth. Um. But then we were obviously kind of stuck on our own, which was probably, it might have been quite good. But then some of that support, the basic support that you wouldn't have thought of was something that we really lost out on. But then on the other reverse of it, I've gone from an office-based job to a job that I work from home. So I've gained a relationship with my 18-month-old that I would have never had before. So as bad as COVID was 
um, I'll be looking at back at it for the rest of my life and think, well, actually, it gave me something that I would never get back. The I, I hate, I, God, I can't imagine the amount of hours I got. Like, I, I joke that you don't get as much work done necessarily when you're at home sometimes. So I hope my boss isn't listening. But it's because I had the beautiful distraction of my, my daughter around the house. And it's even harder now. She's 18 months because she's walking, talking. And I've got to make sure I've got doors closed for meetings and things. It's a, yeah, it's a, it's a really tricky one. You say you've got two kids. How old are they? Yeah, two boys, um, four and well, funny enough, same as same as your daughter. Eighteen months was born a month before, um, before the lockdown. So yeah, same, exactly the same situation as yourself. Yeah, so you you were never bored. You never had nothing to do during lockdown. That's that's definitely no, the thing. It's a, no, yeah. my little one. She's fantastic, but she's an absolute spare time vampire. And when I think about the amount of writing and podcasts and all these things I could do. Christ, if I th- if I if I if I if this opportunity at since seventy one was around when I was um, in my twenties, blimey, I'd be chucking out content on a daily basis. But yeah, trying to find spare time. The main reason we're getting to record this today is that I've got a, a random annual leave day at work that I didn't realise I'd booked because I look far ahead and I think I'll just take Monday off because that'll give me a long weekend. I'll always find something to do. And then I realised yesterday, oh, I've got tomorrow off. My little one's at nursery all day. So I was like, brilliant. Okay, obviously we were able to have this chat, which is uh, which is fantastic. But people didn't tune in to hear about our kids, um, sadly. <laughs> um, so obviously we talked about your journey to become Nottingham Forest boss. Could you tell mm-hmm. me about the process of, of how you became it? Did you have to apply for it? Or did, did you know someone involved in the club? Yeah, no, it was it was a it was a classic. It applied and and, and had an interview and, and managed to get the job. Fortunately, um, I was um, at the time was working at uh, Sunderland um, Academy, so I was with a boys' side at Sunderland. Um, and again, so that was the the season after I'd finished at Oxford. So that season, my wife had just finished her maternity leave, so I looked after my first son um, during that year. So I was a almost a stay at home dad. Um, and unfortunately, my wife is a, a very good physio and is quite high up in the NHS, so she could uh, she could she could allow me to pursue my career of coaching on an evening while I looked after our son during the day. So you know, I've got to be thankful for that, and uh, it allowed me to work at Sunderland at the Boys Academy, which again, huge huge insight into and, and a different experience from that side of things of a of a category one academy of a, of a football club that produces talent, you know, on a on a on a yearly basis. Um, and while I was there, I was obviously looking for full-time work and things like that. And then I'd heard about the the job at Forest. And I was on uh, my LMA diploma course in the summer, um, the, like the end of that summer, it would have been May time. Um, and on the course was Matt Beard. So I seen that the job was up and, I, and I, I knew that Matt had obviously been at Boston Breakers. And I just, when I looked at who was involved at Forest at the time, it was Lee Billiard. So I spoke to Matt and just said, do you know anything about about Lee and obviously he laughed so and he laughed and just was like well yeah I worked with him for several years in America he's a great bloke and this that and the other and that to be honest sealed the sealed the sort of uh the thing for me like all right I've got to try and work for work for Forrest really because he's, Matt sold Lee really more than he sold Forrest he didn't know anything about Forrest but obviously knew about Lee Billiard um so applied for the applied for the role um a few weeks later got an email back saying come down for an interview went and met Lee and, and a few of the guys at the club um, and again, it's probably the, it was a strange interview in, in a sense of, I came away from that interview looking at it and going, if I don't get this job, I don't want to know because the dream that was sold to me was like, I have to be a part of this football club. You know, it was, it was, it was, I'm going to say the best interview I had in a sense of not, not from my answers, my answers were my answers. Um, you know, the, the, I, I probably mumbled on and rambled on like I'm doing now but 
Um, the the way that the way that Lee sold the club was just unique. I'd never I'd never been in an interview where the club was been sold to me in an interview. Um, and so was fortunate enough, you know, some of the candidates that that you that you heard of, or there was rumours of of being involved, were obviously relatively high, I believe, and of a high caliber. Um, and and yeah, the the you know Lee and the club sort of said, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna give Andy the role, and that's how it came about. So it was quite a long one, just in terms of of everything that was going on in the club. But I think sometimes that now being involved in the club, you kind of understand the processes. It's 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 a long one because the club takes everything quite seriously and it has to go through the right channels of through the 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 executive board up to the owner up to the chairman up to the owner and and everyone's involved so my first day at the club I met the CEO and the chairman um and their questions to me were what do you need for this football team to be successful and I'd never I've worked at Arsenal worked at Oxford worked at Durham I'd never been sat with the CEO and the chairman of a football club before and so for me, that was the first day here at Nottingham Forest and, and sort of showed me the signs of where the club was. And so straight away, the stuff that Lee was telling me in the interview, he kind of can sit back and go, I told you it's good, you know, and mm. that's and that's kind of where that's that's how it kind of how it came about, really. It was just a, 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 I was going to say straightforward. Uh, yeah, a simple sort of I applied through a, a cover and letter and CV, managed to get an interview, managed to impress as much as I could and then. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm really lucky to to be here and involved in the club, and um, you know, it's something that 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 I sort of, I'm I'm not, I'm not a man of faith or anything at, at all, but I do think every day of how lucky I am to to be able to do this and and, and call and have to say that this is my full time job, um, you know, and, and and know how fortunate I am that that is the case because, yeah, not everyone is in this position, and, and I know because I've been there, you know, the, the we've got to juggle life and job and everything else and then go and coach and then try and win at the weekend and it's 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 difficult um so yeah i'm i'm just so fortunate that 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 i'm still here and, and still doing the the job and hopefully can can do it for as long as possible because i absolutely love working for forest it is it is a great football club um it's a fantastic group of people behind the scenes that people won't sort of hear or, or know about you know in regards to people in hospitality marketing commercial you know the media's and, and and everyone that's involved in the club are fantastic. So, yeah, it's it, it is a it is a great football club to work for. You, you talked a moment ago about juggling everything, and um, as as I said, I coach the under sixteen side, and this occupies quite a fair amount of my time when it comes to sort of the general admin, collecting subs, um, planning training, uh, considering the, the players' welfare, the, the players to select for the weekend. I can't begin to imagine a team how managing a team at this level must impact your your time at home. Um, how do you manage it, especially with two two kids? Yeah, I think it's uh, it. Yeah, it's um, it's it's difficult, but I suppose it's one of those where I don't have to juggle anything else outside of it, like you know yourself, Stu, or you know a lot of the other coaches that that, that we speak to. You know, again, really good mates with Liam and, and understand he's a teacher as well. And then he he does a great job at the weekend, um, and and during the week and stuff like that. So, I think it's it's one of those because it is because it is full time. Um, you know, I've got the hours in the day to to kind of set aside to be able to do it. Um, but then there's that that one of you kind of never really actually switch off. You know, whereas yeah. sometimes you know in in other roles that I've had where it's not been full time, you've been able to focus on maybe your whatever your day job is then you've right now is football and I've only got an hour 
you know, I've got like one hour that I need to get uh, whatever it is, the team out, the tactics out, the training session out. I need the staff to do this, that and the other. So sometimes when you've got less time, it's sometimes a little bit easier in a sense of you know what you're working on. That people say, Andy, you're talking absolute rubbish. It's better to do what you're doing. And I would 100% agree in regards to, you know, you can kind of, you literally can work nine to five in a way, or I say nine to five, nine to 10 p.m. because <laughs> yeah. uh, we, we train in an evening. But, um, you know, you can you can set set aside that time to go, right, this is when I'm working and this is what we're doing. Um, but the other side of it, the difficulty that, that I feel with this role is I'm full-time, but nobody else I work with is full-time. So I've got to work around their work schedules. So I can, like, try and get yeah. to the place during the day. But, you know, you've got one girl who's a psychologist. You've got several girls that are in university. You've got another girl that works in a hospital. One girl's in the police. You know, like, you've got all these different roles that people have and you've got to work around them. Um, and then the staff is the same thing. You know, you, you sort of want to speak to the staff about something. They've got their own lives to lead. You've got somebody that owns his own company. You've got head of women's football at Nottingham Trent. So they've got all, everyone's got all sorts going off. So although I'm full-time, I've got to almost manage my time around their time as well to try to fit yeah. in and go, right, when, when are you available to speak about this? Right, not till quarter past four on Tuesday or not till so you're literally you know, having to book Monday. in phone calls on a daily so, basis yeah then. yeah yeah sometimes especially with the players and staff when it's stuff like this or stuff with the club obviously everyone in the club's nine to five so it's fine um but with with the actual squad and the team you've got to manage I'm full-time but I've got to manage my time around their time as well you know you you kind of right I want, I, can you can you have a look at this for me can you do this can you do that can you look back at your clips because I've looked at this this and this well, you know, the, the easy one is, yeah, you have, Andy, because you've got eight hours on a Monday to do it, whereas I've got <laughs> yeah. to get up and go to work. I'm like, yeah, I, I appreciate that. But, yeah, you know, so, yeah, it's – it's and, again, I, I feel like we've we've got a we've got a great squad and a, a great set of people, and, and, and they, do, they do that as best they can. And to be honest, a lot of them come to me and say, I've had a look at this. What do you think? And stuff like that. It's not it's not always me chasing people. In fact, it very rarely is. A lot of the time they're chasing me um, and probably saying, what's he doing with his time? But, no, I'm joking. Um <laughs> But yeah, so it's it's it is it, it juggling it can be can be tough at times. But you be we say that it's like I say you, you, when you when you do something like this that is is a, is a passion and and a, you absolutely love it. It's it's fine. There's not enough hours in the Fair day. Way. I think sometimes. I'll definitely definitely concur. There's not enough hours in the day. Um, so I've been paying particular attention to a lot of the kit launches um, over the summer, and um, I get disappointed when I see that some clubs just throw in one player from the women's team. It comes across a little bit more like tokenism. But what was really pleasing is when Forest had their kit launch, um, the female players were front and centre, and I, I think if anything, it was the opposite. There were more of the women's team than there were the men's team, mm. and I'm just interested to know how it feels from from your perspective and how the players feel when the club show that sort of support and, and faith in you all, because it's, it's, a, it's a massive gesture. And not only was it a kit launch, it wasn't just stand in front of a green screen. You got like a, it was like a, a full on short film that was made yeah. up, some kind of like proper television ad. It was, yeah, it was, it's, it, again, again, when I, when I say about working for this football club, it is a brilliant football club to work for because, so I'm sat there in the office and I, and I hear, you know, uh, I'll give him a little shout out, Will do. Um, he he was sort of leading it from the club side of things um, in regards to this kit launch. And straight away, he then turned and said, do you think the girls will be wanting to get involved? And I said, do you think they want to get involved? You, every single one of them want to be involved in a kit launch. So we had to kind of go, right, who who do we want and who can who's available? Because obviously the timing of it's during the day and things like that. But when he told me what was going to happen with it, 
So we used um, Kane, uh, what's his name? Kane, I'll have to get it right. Kane Pierce Shaw. Uh, he's the director and he di- he's directed quite a lot of stuff. I think he, he either owns or I think he owns um, Soccer Bible. Um, and so he manages and owns and, and, and kind of, again, all the sort of the, the, the media and everything around that, he, he kind of deals with that. So he's been involved with like, uh, FIFA um, kit launches or FIFA FIFA launches and things like that. So the background that he's got in sports directing and, and photographing players and this, that and the other is huge. So he was working with like Mbappe and Neymar and people like that for like World Cup stuff. And then he's coming to Nottingham Forest and working with us on the kit launch. And yeah, so we, we were fortunate that, that with him being a Nottingham boy, as you can probably tell from his name of Keane Pierce Shaw, he just was, <laughs> he loved, he loved it. And he was he was great, you know, to to work and to see somebody like him work in terms of the creative process that he went through was unbelievable. And and I spent a day with, with when the girls went down. So we had Katie, uh, Katie Middleton, Grace Walters, uh, May Moncaster. We went down to uh, we were around. I think it was City Hall, Nottingham Castle, um, and then where else was there? I feel like there was another venue we went to. But the the went round we went the went round. Oh. Um, Woolerton Hall, which was used at the front of Batman's house, um, Wayne Manor. They used the front of that as um, Wayne Manor. So, with the, all these different places, these famous and iconic places in Nottingham, they went round and they had some like actual models that were there as well. And it was just a real, like you say, iconic sort of moment, really. That that you're looking and seeing seeing the girls used in in the in the media stuff and and within this um, sort of advert and and the front and center. Um, and again, because you've got people like uh, Keane sort of dealing with it, you know, it's that creative process of, he's not looking at a male footballer or a female footballer, he's looking at the process and the creative process of what is needed for the kit launch. And so, you know, the the iconic shot that, that I think we've used a few times, it's on the front of the club shop now is, um, you know, on the stairs at the City Hall, you've got Joe Worrell in the middle as, as like club captain, but you've got May Moncaster just to the right of her, Grace Walters and Katie just around him. And I think it's Scott McKenna, um, just behind him and then models around him and it's it's you know there's just some it just it, it was it was really pleasing to see um you know because of the way that the girls were they were fantastic on the day potentially got careers in in uh in uh, maybe maybe some <laughs> modeling uh, later on if they, if they ever want to do that because they were they were all great and ultimately you know the 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 club have got to be front and center of of pushing that as well it was it was nothing to do with us trying to force things on the club and say we need to use the women the women need to be involved it was nothing yeah. like that the the that did that did what they felt was right um and for me that's why you know it, it, it i've got to kind of say that that's the biggest thing from it they, they did what they felt was right um and ultimately it was do you think the girls will want to be involved in it the answer is always going to be absolutely <laughs> absolutely yeah. so yeah it is it's good and, and i can't speak for other clubs and what other clubs do and things like that but for for us at Forest, it's 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 always that, and, and the conversation's always based around what can we do, how can we do it. Well, I know I kind of joked earlier talking about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, but that need to be wanted, respected, makes a massive difference because those players would think actually it's it's great that we're being involved, it's great that the club show faith that they value us, and then that then spreads out to the rest of the team and the rest of the squad. And I'd be very surprised if you didn't get an extra sort of 5% on a match day because of those sorts of 
I, I, I use the word gesture, but it's it's not a gesture because it seems like from the club it, it's it's a common sense. Yeah, it is. It is very much um, sort of common sense, and you know the. I think there's, it's a two-way thing. It's a two-way thing. If we went and and I went and just started knocking on everyone's door, knocking on the CEO's door or or my boss, David Cook's door, and just kind of saying like, look, we want to be involved in this, eventually you're going to get pushback because we've got to produce as well. We've got to do our jobs. We've got to make sure that we're working hard, that we're training well, that we're putting ourselves in the best position. And although you know, the girls aren't full-time, they've got a lot of stuff going on and this, that and the other, we've still got to do our little bit as well. So, you know, we can't we can't sort of ask for the world and then not give a little bit back. And that's where I think for me is 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 the best thing that that I'm pushing the players to to work and to train and to play as well as they can. But I don't have to think, oh God, I'm asking for this and, and I don't think the club are gonna give us anything back. Because I know that the club, when there's something around, you know, whether it be the kit launch, whether it be other media duties or whatever it might be, the club will say Andy, who's available these days, or is is so and so available for this? Um, and I think that's the other beauty of it that that I'm not, you know, I don't have to go knock knock knocking doors down to kind of get answers. The club will come to me and say, "We've got this on. Can is Lindsay available?" Or yeah. like you say, it's 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 like that. You know, it's it's a two way thing, and I've always believed that that you've got to put the work in first to get a little bit of recognition. It comes down to trust. You know, I said this to the players and I said it at the start of this season, at uh, the start of this preseason. There's players that we've brought into this football club and, and yeah, they've signed for the football club, but they've got to build up trust with us as a squad and we've got to build up trust that that, that they can do the job for us. And it's the same in life. You know, you, you've got to, the club employ me and the club employ the, the, the rest of the people to work. So you've got to do your job. And if you're not doing your job, then trust is going to it's not going to be there so i believe that we're doing a good enough job for the club because they keep asking us to do things if we're not doing yeah. a good enough job no one's going to ask you so when you when you're not getting asked you probably got to look at yourself in the mirror and think well what do i need to do better yeah yeah and um, also the, the club the club will know that there with, with the national league being financially there's no incentive to do anything you're not getting any prize money from it so therefore they're thinking right well all the money we're putting in actually how can we get value for money and how can we get bums on seats to pay, give us money to come and watch us. How can we sell this product? Well, you sell it by investing it and believing in it because if you don't believe in it, you you, you can't sell a product. People will know and they'll realise. Yeah, so I've actually um, been thinking a lot about sort of ground sharing and, and things like that because um, I know that you guys have got the fixture with Derby County coming up at the city ground soon. And it's my personal opinion that actually sharing a stadium with your the men's count your male counterparts is is a better option and it doesn't matter that you might get a smaller crowd there for me it's about the experience and the show of faith uh that you think that these these ladies deserve the same respect and facilities as the men's team we've seen it with reading uh with leicester um and lewis if you really want that true one club approach, then you, you have to do it, irrespective of whether you think the, the crowd might get swallowed in a big stadium. That crowd will grow, uh, for me, at a faster rate if you don't, don't wait to fill the small stadium. If you're Man United, don't wait to fill LSV before you give them a game, long-term games at Old Trafford. Get them in Old Trafford and then start to build your crowd base there because I think you'll build it a lot quicker. Um 
have you guys if you play is, is this the first time you guys will have played at the city grounds um yeah so the well the the women's team has played there previous they played the jamaican national team about four or five years ago i'm i'm, I'm told um but this will be the first time as long as that i think i remember that i think it was probably only yeah maybe only three maybe COVID, three actually, yeah. yeah yeah maybe it's three it was it was just it was before my time so i think it might have been the season before i was here then um and maybe it's 2018 um, or early 2019, maybe something like that. But yeah, um, the well, this is the first time we've obviously got a league fixture at the ground. Um, and again, when you say what you're saying now, I'm, I'm very similar to yourself. Of you know, I look at it and think if you could get four or five thousand in a smaller stadium, um, it would be better for the atmosphere. Um, you know, you've got all four sides of, of people. You know. In, in the ground, I think the atmosphere would be better. The only problem with it is you don't get many of those stadiums in the cities that we're talking about. You know, you don't get a, you, you haven't got, I mean, there's there's not counting in Nottingham, but um, that's still a, a 20, 25,000 seat stadium. Um, same, well, maybe it's a bit less than that, but, you know, you've got Nottingham Forest, which is 30, um, or the city ground, sorry, which is 30,000. So certain cities, you can't, you can't sort of get people in there. We've obviously played Eastwood, which is out of the city. Um, and that's something that we get asked about a lot, saying that, that why do we play out of the city? Which at the moment it works well for us because I mean, in terms of recruitment for me, when I'm speaking to a player and I say you don't have to drive into Nottingham, you just have to get off the M1 and come to Eastwood, which is five minutes off the M1. They go, that's not bad then. So I don't have to drive half an hour off the M1 into the city. I'm like, no, no, it's fine. Just get off. So, so from that point of view, it's good. But um, the uh, the club playing at, at the city ground has been. It's just been eye-opening for me. I mean, I've been involved in a few bits. Um, obviously, been in, in working from the city ground itself when the men's games are on, and, and hearing some of the the meetings that they have um, in regards to the build-up for those games. But we had um, we had like a, a full staff meeting last Tuesday um, based on um, our game at the at the ground, and just listening to everything that needs to go on for that game is it just shows the sort of the magnitude of what goes on and, and how much has to be put into it you know you, you're looking at the head of head of security and, and what he has to deal with in regards to how many stewards we need and turnstile operators and things like that then you've got you know the food and and uh and all the catering that needs to go on you know what what are we opening what are we not opening how does that affect things also the flow of entry into the ground and this that and the other then you've got retail are they opening if they are what are they doing um and you know all the other and obviously we're, we're doing hospitality for the game so Simon Fotheringham who, who who heads up all of that he's he's sort of dealing with everything with that and it just it's it's huge and and this is where I suppose uh, when I've said I've said previous about um people in the background that probably don't get you never hear the names but they do great jobs another one that's kind of come on board this year with us within the women's side is is a girl called uh, Chloe Hemmings who does an unbelievable job behind the scenes, not just for us, but for the full football club. Um, she's almost like the, the the oracle of the of the office, really. If you need anything, you go to her, and she knows the answer to it. Um, and she's sort of come on board and helped help myself out um, in regard to a lot of this stuff. And you know, she's kind of coordinating and managing all the things off the field for for the city ground game. And you know, we we just think that 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 well, we hope that it's going to be a really huge day for 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 fans, like you say that wouldn't maybe necessarily come across to Eastwood, but because we're in the men's stadium, because they know the layout, it's almost a, a that sense of comfort and we know what we we know how to get there. We know what what we're gonna go and see. We're gonna go and see a Nottingham Forest side. And the other side of it is you know, you're hopefully gonna get new fans that are coming with, 
you know, sometimes a, a dad might take his son to the game because it's, uh, you know, the men's game. His daughter would probably go as well or, or might want to go. But, you know, the fact that the women's team are playing it, it, it's that one of going, well, I'll tell you what, I fancy that dad because I want to go and see Lindsay Harkin play. And she relates more to me because she's a woman more than Joe Worrell does. So, you know, it's it's those little bits that you, you don't, you can't, you can't know that benefit until you do it. And it's like anything in life, like how successful it's going to be. Well, I don't know until we do it. It could fall flat on its face. But you've got to give it a go, you know, and if it does if it does work out, then brilliant. And if it doesn't, well, what have we lost? We haven't lost anything. We've gained probably a few more fans, hopefully. We've gained a little I, bit. I don't think there is any. I don't think there are any losers in a scenario like this. Um, I can't really remember ever seeing a nil-nil draw in women's football. And it doesn't matter who you are. If you're paying your money to go watch a match, the last thing you want to watch is a nil-nil draw. You want goals. You get that women's football. You get entertainment. And I think when you're doing those things in the main stadiums, I think that, as you say, there are no losers. Everyone will get something out of it. Um, I should add, please don't draw nil-nil with Derby County because you'll make me look like a a right fool. But um, yeah, I I just don't think there are any losers in this scenario. I think that it's going to... Those girls, hopefully, are going to be 10 feet tall and you're going to get performances out of every single one and they're all going to love it. Or I guess maybe on the flip side, um, will nerves kick in? So to, how does the onus is, is then on you, I suppose, to to try and manage those. So how do, you, how do you approach that? How are you going to approach it? Are you going to try and downplay it as if it's another game or do you, do you build it up and say, no, you're at this stadium, be 10 feet tall? It's 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 a balance of both, isn't it? It's a balance of both. You know, you've got to each individual's gonna have their own um thoughts on that. You know, we've got some players in our squads that have played at, at, at big stadiums before. So, you know, they'll they I would imagine they'll they'll have their own ways of playing of, of getting through this. But ultimately, it's regardless whether you're in a stadium that has thirty thousand in or Eastwood that, you know, maybe says fifteen hundred in or five hundred in, it's still just a white box with a line across the middle and a circle in the middle. That's that's ultimately all it is. And, and it's just a game of football and it's just a game that we've got to go and try and win. And, you know, so we've got to have that nice, that nice sort of uh, balance of it. For me, I'd always, I'm always quite honest in regards to my assessment of things and kind of just go, look, how often does this happen? Not very. So you've got to enjoy it, but it's the same with anything for me. You've got to enjoy every moment, you know, I'm enjoying this interview with you. Some people will probably go, "Oh, do I have to do that?" You know, but you've yeah. got to. It's a. It's the same thing with everything. You've got it. You've got to go and enjoy it. You've got to get enjoyed because when you look back and and again, this is only through experience, and we'll have this now. Um, you know, when you were younger, there's certain things you'd have done, and you'd have like, "Oh, drives you short." I just and they're the bits where you think, "Oh, if I'd have only enjoyed it and been in the moment and been present fully," of like, "Wow, look at this!" Like. I'm not overawed by this because this is an unbelievable moment that I'll never get again. And I think you go through it with certain things in life, such as we've touched on it a few times, and this isn't a podcast about it, but we keep bringing them up. When you have children, it's one of those moments in life that you go, and I'm not saying that having your children play at the city grounds level, but maybe playing city grounds. No, I'm joking. You know, you've got to, it's it's just those little bits in life that you go, this is, this is an unbelievable moment. And so, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's a balance of both. You know, it's the same for everyone. We played at Pride Park in 2019 and it was the same thing there. Um, you know, you've, it's, it's, you know, yeah, it's, it's a great moment, but you've got to, you've got to just, you've got to just engage in it. So I spoke to a player that likened it to a wedding day 
it's a fantastic time, but it can pass you by the the, the lightning quick. So yeah. you've really got to make sure you take it in and and you enjoy it. And I, I quite like that. I'm I'm so, I'm I'm one for an analogy and an example. Yeah. And I, I thought that was a, was a really good little one. And um, and knowing uh, Georgia Hewitt has played for Derby County uh, previously, she's going to be one, certainly one that's going to make sure that everyone's going to be given a, a good account of themselves because she's not shy on the pitch. I'm, I know yeah. that for a fact. And um, and you've also added um, Amy West to your squad, who's got a lot of experience within the uh, championship and uh, and the, was she WSL, was she WSL? yeah yeah so yeah. she she's got that experience at the top level yeah what sort of difference do players like Amy make to the rest of the squad who obviously aspire to play at that level I think she's not that... the only championship player um, you've got is it really no um, no yeah we've managed to recruit really well you know Becky Anderson from Coventry United um, obviously Lindsay Harkin has played up at, up at that level in a, in a younger day. Um, Asia's played there. M Batty, who's coming from um, from Sheffield United as well, um, and then who else are we bring in? Naomi was from America. Sophie Bramford from from Aston Villa's academy. Um, Jade Arbor was at was at West Brom. So you know we've got players, and some of the players that we brought in the season before: Rachel Brown, Haley James, uh, Charlotte Greengrass, um, Rosie Axton have all played have all played Championship level. So we've got we've got a lot of the squad that have played at at, at those higher. Freya Thomas as well, actually, won the league with Leicester last year. So that you know, you've got you've got a good basis of players that have played there. The thing for me is when they, when you when these players come in, what they show to the girls that are already here, they show you the levels. You know, it's easy for well, it's not easy. It's hard for a coach to kind of get across. This is what you need to do. You need oh, what do I need to do to get there? Well, you need to do this, this, and this. Okay, and then they go and do it, and they still don't get there. And then you just see what, you know, you see what Amy West does pre-game, post-game. You know, yesterday we played Liverpool. We lost, we lost one nil in a, in a close game with them. They defended brilliantly, and and you know stopped us playing to a certain extent. And we've got to try and find a way around. But Amy, we I, I rotated the team and 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 gave some players some game time in there, which was good for them. Um, but Amy came on. Um, twenty minutes, put a shift in, but but obviously we didn't do enough to 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 get the equaliser and, and hopefully go on and get the victory. But after the game, she's doing a box sprint, six yard line, eighteen yard line, halfway line. It's pouring down the rain. We're in Liverpool. We've just been beaten in the cup. Probably everyone wants to get home, but she's out there doing running. And that's the, these are the differences. These are the differences between playing third tier, fourth tier, and playing second tier and and first and WSL. You know, those little bits of like, right, I've travelled. Yes, I understand the, the decisions behind my my um, place on the bench. Um, I'm coming. I've been professional. I'm doing my job. And then once the game's finished, we've lost. I'm upset. I'm angry. But I'm still running. And these are the little bits that you can't... Again, I've said it about like Marcus in regards to some of the stuff he does off the field and stuff. Like you can you can bring people in, but the personalities and the way that they are you only see those characters once they're in in the door. And if you've got good ones, you want to keep hold of them. And, you know, I've only worked with Amy for a few months now, but but what a what a character she is and what a person she is as well. And, and again, those little moments, she probably doesn't think anything of it. It's just that's how she works. Um, but for me, it's like, you know, some of the younger players, we've got like Poppy Schofield who came in from Liverpool and is at Loughborough Uni and, and Alice Higginbotham who's coming from, she wasn't Notts County Development Team, but was at Leicester as a younger kid. They must look at her and be like, well, maybe I need to do that. You know, it's the same as people talking about Cristiano Ronaldo going back to Man United now. Some of the young kids will look at him and go, 
he's 36 and he's still doing it. And it's the same for, for you know, well, she's played WSL. Maybe he's, maybe he's actually... Maybe I should do what she's doing. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's um, you know, it's it's almost like your job's almost done when you've got players like that in. Um, you've just got to make sure you try and and get them to, um, get them to play. Um, but yeah, again, it's sometimes the opposition have something to say about it. And Liverpool did yesterday. Yeah, well, so. talking about the opposition, um, you're not the only club that have managed to bring Championship players down to mm. the uh, national leagues in the north and in the south. So it must be really exciting to be involved in in such a competitive division. Oh, it is. It's it's brilliant. You know the 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 competitiveness that it brings. It's 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 proper. It sounds a bit of a cliche. It's proper football. You know, it's it's you 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 you're getting these every time you play every time you play it's a tough game it's I, I think you know gone are the days of say five six seven years ago where a team would turn up and you know there's going to be a seven eight nil scoreline somewhere in the in the, in the league that weekend you know if one of those turns up now you know that a team has either not turned up or the team that scored the six seven eight have really turned it on most score lines now are, are, are what like i say what i consider a proper game a one nil a two one a three one um, three two something like that, but you know the the they are really close and competitive, and it's only because the leagues are getting stronger, the WSL is getting stronger, and things are starting to filter down. You know, players are wanting to play championship, players are, are coming down to national league and seeing that it's it's actually it's 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 a really good standard. You know, the the facilities, the training, um, the coaches with a eyes emoji there um, are, are really good at this level, um, and I think sometimes yeah, well, I'm, you know, I'm just the, looking at the just looking at the league table now and um, you've got Burnley have just gone professional and so everyone was thinking, right, well, they're going to be running things. Well, they've actually not having it their own way at the minute. I know it's still early, but they've they've won two and lost three. Um, you've got Loughborough who are uh, looking at the relaunch side. Um, they've only got four points. You've got Huddersfield in fifth that were, that were top of the league last year, I believe. Yeah. Um, so then you've got they're only on eight. They're they're only in fifth, and then you've got Derby County just beneath you, you in fourth, and then you're up there, and you've got Wolves and and Fylde as well. So, it looking at all of those teams being so early on, I think that any six or seven of them could could justifiably go on and win if they can get the the right run of games going. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that's good. that that's the crucial thing. Whichever team gets a bit of a run going, will will be there or thereabouts, and that's where. You know, I think Fylde and, and Wolves are probably the contenders right now because the strength of their squads, the the abilities that they have, um, and and again the results has pro- proven that you know they're there. We had a we had a, a heck of a battle against Wolves, um, and they managed to get the bit the breakthrough against us. Um, but it's one of those. It's 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 a long old season, isn't it? And and you kind of you 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 can't. We can't control what the opposition are doing. We can't control what somebody else is doing in another match. We've just got to make sure that we're working and we're doing what we're doing, you know, in our games as well. But I think those two teams at the start of the season have, have been have been the best sides and, and ultimately you've seen that in the results. Um, you know, we can talk about the way that teams play and this, that and the other and, and whatever it is, but you've got to get results. Um, you know, and if that means we're gonna we're gonna grind a team down to get a goal. Then you know you've got to you, you get that victory there. So I think they're they're the two that are going to be there or thereabouts from the first five games. Um, but like you say, the rest ourselves, Derby, Huddersfield, um, you know Burnley will be there or thereabouts, and a couple of other teams there. We're talking about Brighouse as well coming. 
they're all strong sides. So if anyone gets a good run of games together, then all of a sudden, you know, they'll be they'll be up there as well. Um, but yeah, the big frustration must be that only one of you can go up, and I'm talking about north and south. Cause obviously, with the playoff, it it really seems that it's the FA need to open up pathways within the women's football pyramid sooner rather than later because the the one up one down process which they do at the moment just isn't acceptable anymore you've got clubs like yourself that are investing time money actually you need to open up that pathway because they my fear is that without that there then becomes a, a monopoly at the top because people can't get in and make money and then clubs like yourself risk being a yo-yo club so they need to open up that 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 pathway sooner rather than later because it, it's got to be something that, that frustrates you yeah it does um it does but i think it's you know it, it it's like and i don't mean this to sound uh I don't, I don't mean to say this to sound disrespectful Stuart, but it's one of those i always think of the henry ford quote when i when i talk about these things of if i'd have asked the people what they wanted that have said faster horses like I know that we would all love two up, two down from each league, and or three up, whatever it might be. I believe that most of the decisions are done for the right reasons. Now, whether that's true or not, I don't know. But I think for me, the way that the way that it is now, it's sustainable. It's probably, that, it's, it's probably yeah, it's probably sustainable, but. I think the problem that you've got is the investment. Maybe, maybe, maybe they didn't realise the investment that clubs in this this league would make so quickly. So yes, ourselves of uh, you know ourselves of club have, have, have started to um, you know pick up the um, pick up the investment within the women's side. Uh, Wolves are, are definitely one that are investing heavily. Uh, Ipswich Town have gone professional and offering professional contracts now. Um, Southampton are obviously doing the same for the calibre of players that they're managing to pick up. Um, who else we got in there? Uh, we could, you, you, we you could, could probably list them. Probably, seven yeah, or eight sides. exactly. So, and that's and I think that's maybe where the issue the issues come from is that as far as I'm aware, like I, as, uh, Nottingham Forest, I, no one's consulted me or no one's consulted Nottingham Forest over you know what 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 are we doing apart from maybe the application process that we went through in order to to go into the championship last season and the season before. They're the only conversations that we've had. So potentially there's been no consultation, but then what would that, where would that get us anyway? So I don't, it's, it's, it's a tough one. I understand the frustration, but I believe that they've been done for the right reasons and probably sustainable over time. But I, yeah, if the question is, what would I like to see happen? I'd like to see at least two teams go, one from the North, one from the South. Would there be a playoff game? You could do a playoff game as like a third place. You know, something like that. So maybe three go up, three go down. But then teams in the championship will probably go, well, why do three have to go down? So you're never going to please everyone. But, yeah. you know, this is where this is where it's, it's you know, the the stuff like the BBC and the Sky TV deal over the next four or five years, you're going to start to see that trickle down like you have done with the players. You know, as it gets, if it gets stronger at the top, it's going to start trickling down, especially in the championship and, you know, hopefully in the Women's National League. Um, in in the third tier because there's going to be that appetite for it, but it's going to take time and it's going to it's going to be a few years, um, and things are just going to get stronger. And then not only that, because of everything that happens at the top with with the with the TV, with you know the movement of players, with the influx of of good European world players coming into our league, that's also going to increase the nine, ten, eleven year old girls that go, wow, 
I could be like whoever, Steph, uh, Alex Morgan, Beth Mead, whoever it might be, Sam Kerr. Well, I want to do that. And so therefore, you know, but, but we're not going to see that benefit till maybe 2026, 2028, mm. you know, so it's, it's, we're going to have to wait for that. Um, and it's just, it's just the patience and, and whether, whether people are, are going to have that patience for it. I think, I think they have to, I think they have to, if you look at the way that men's football went once the Premier League came in in 92, we didn't really see the, the riches, like the real riches until, you know, your, your late nineties, early thousands. Yes. They've always had, they've always had money in it, but you know, the real riches have come in the last 10 to 15 years, haven't they? Yeah. I, I wonder if we're more in, before we see two up, three up, two down, um, we might see a combined national league. Um, if you've got clubs that can afford overnight trips on a weekly basis, maybe that's when they think actually our restructure might not be chucking three or four teams in the WSL, three or four teams in the championship. They might think, well, actually, let's get this third tier to be national, covering the whole country. And you think because that, I, I don't know, but I'm I'm pretty sure that probably part of the decision making of splitting it north and south is because clubs can't afford to Plymouth probably can't really afford to come play Sunderland and Newcastle on a weekly basis. But if that money is in there, then maybe that's the more realistic uh, option that the FA might look at. Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, that, that that could be something to look at. I know from our point of view, that'd be, a, um, that'd be a hard one to do right now because of the travel, because of how much things cost, you know, like every weekend, if you're, well, yeah, every weekend you'd be spending at least a thousand pound on travel before you're, you're staying over with, you know, upwards of, I mean, we travel with, what we got? You've got a squad of 16, you have a couple of players that are potentially doing rehab, so they're doing running before, so you may be going with between 18 and 20 players, then you've got five to six staff, a couple of media, you know, club admin. So you're almost travelling with 30 people. 30 people for a hotel is not going to be cheap, and so where does that kind of come from? Well, hopefully, because of the stuff that happens at the top, your sponsors are getting involved, you know, football manager getting involved with a few things now, those kind of things are going to are going to help. But all these things are, I'd love to have the opportunity to try and work it, but that's maybe something for me in uh, 30, 40 years time when I've eventually finished coaching. Um, but I'd love, I'd love the opportunity to try and, uh, to try and, and, and have all that information and detail to just go, right, let's, let's have a go at this and see what we can do. But in 30, 40 years time, I think we'll all be fully professional and the league will be where it is. But that's, uh, that's when, yeah. our, that's when our kids will be our age. So. Yeah. Well, I can't see a scenario where the championship won't be professional next year. Uh, the, I, I it must be. It must be. It's not far off being maybe but I think, now. We're I think, at least being. Yeah, I think there's there's a little there's a little bit for me. You've got to be cautious with it because so for instance, one of the reasons why we've been able to bring in the players we've brought in is because teams have gone professional. So you know, should Becky Anderson and, and Amy West be playing at our level? Probably not. They're very, 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 very good footballers, but you know, the they can't afford the salaries that some of these clubs are offering. Like. You know, yeah, it's it's all very well and good saying we're going to go full time, but it's only it's 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 getting there's a so lot. It's that living wage lot, that we start oh, talking about, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. You you know what it's like. I know what it's like. You know, for a for a student coming out of university, you're going to accept twelve, fourteen grand a year, twenty grand a year. A house share, a house share, absolutely. But I can't I can't live in a house share when I've got a, a, a wife and kids, and certain you know Lindsay's the same. You know, for, there's. There's people in the National League that can't play higher because people aren't offering them good enough contracts. 
to be able to to be able to do it and so you know that's something else that that, that potentially it's full t- being full time is good but it has its it has its limitations based on you know the the fact that yeah you're offering a full time contract but you're offering it at 20 grand a year or whatever it might be and and that's what you can afford that's what you can afford that's fine but you know the the reason why ourselves wolves file whoever it is can pick up very very good players and it's the same in the south can pick up these good players is because the championship contracts probably aren't aren't sustainable for them in their current job like if you're a teacher why are you going to stop teaching for a year or two for a 20 grand con- 20 grand a year contract and I, I, the argument yeah. that you do for the love of the game is rubbish because i've never known the gas man take money take take me uh take me uh take me love of the game to pay my gas bills so you need you need money yeah. to do that and so therefore if yeah if i'm a teacher i know there's a couple of teachers playing at this level because we spoke to them in the summer um that they're like well yeah i have to i have to drop down because i'm getting paid x amount of money to be a teacher well i'm not gonna i'm not gonna stop 15 to 20 grand wage drop just to play football for a year even though they have the ability to do it so there's stuff like that and, and that's where i think there's You've got there's got to be a level. There's got to be a level. Um, and I get that, that full time sometimes good, but you look at I mean Coventry and Charlton haven't had the greatest start. No doubt they're doing everything they can to do it. But this is where the opposition have something to say about it. Sunderland part time gone up. I know Steph Libby really well, and it's no surprise that they're doing really well because you know the northeast of of it's it's a gritty determined place to to live. Never mind try and play football. So when you're playing against those people. You know, Steph and Mel are going to have that team, you know, ready to go every weekend. And, you know, they're a part-time team. Players are training two, three times a week and the top of the league at the end of this weekend. So it's, yeah. you know, it's one of them. It's It has its benefits, but it also has its flaws. Um, and, and this is where I think when I'm saying about, you know, that Henry Ford quote again, if I asked the people what they wanted, they've said faster horses. You know, you've got to, it's got to be slowly. It's got to be sustainable. You've got to look long-term. Um, yeah. You've got to look long-term. And, and so... If we get to if we get to twenty twenty eight and we have this conversation again and we're still in the same position, somebody's done something wrong. It's got to have yeah, grown. It's got to have grown. We've obviously got the National League board that have come in now, so hopefully these are the sort of things that they're going to be considering. And I, I, I I've never had the pleasure of um, meeting Kelly Simmons, but from everything that I've seen from her, she she's clever. She she knows a lot of these issues. There's not some there's not something in women's football across the pyramid that she's not aware of. So she's going to know all of these things that we're talking about. Um, so that there's I can't see a scenario where they haven't got two, five, ten year plans down the line. So yeah, it, yeah. it's exciting, and that's it, that's why yeah. I'm I'm so passionate about the national league because it, it is such an exciting league to be involved in, an ex- exciting uh, level and. Uh, it's it's why I'm so passionate about promoting this level of football because there's so much great stuff that goes on. Yeah, you're right. I think there is, and and this is where you know, yeah, like you said there, um, the people that are involved with the FA, they 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 know what's happening. They know what's they know what's going on. Um, you know, there's there's sometimes I think a lot of people are quite easy to jump on the to jump on the social media stuff and 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 type a tweet out or a or a post or whatever and kind of you know tell them that they're doing the, the job wrong but you know the, but they've, ne- they've never but, met the community coaches but, and the people that do everything behind the scenes it's one thing it's, that like yeah, it, it, it frustrates me yeah and this is there's and, so many amazing employees within the FA that it's yeah. good to say yeah, they, they, yeah it's bureaucratic that's but that, that, that's not because of the people involved necessarily and it's um 
yeah, there, there's so much more to it that people don't think about and don't consider. And uh, like I know when you've got the, what I have been really enjoying actually kind of still on topic slightly is um, that actually there's been so much context within the the refereeing decisions within the WSL over the last couple of weeks. Yes, there's been a couple of gaffes last night, especially how that was never handball was beyond me, but they haven't been throwing those referees to the wolves. Every single pundit I've heard them say, yeah, we've got to support them. We've got to professionalise them. And and that, that's really refreshing. They're looking at the bigger picture. They're not just going to sensationalise and throw these refs under the bus because, again, like the FA, they do a good job. A lot of the coaches, a lot of the players, they all do a fantastic job in women's football, but they need to be supported. Um, as I said, I love an analogy. And if people in women's football worked in the kitchen, you can't give them a microwave and expect them to serve up um, Michelin star food. You've got to give them all of the resources and... And that, that's the same as the players, same as the coaches, same as the referees. And yeah, you, you, hopefully with that level of investment, I know we kind of gone off on all these different tangents, but fundamentally we all bring it back to the one point, which is that there is a fantastic league here that needs to be supported and nurtured, um, whether it's uh, yeah, in two, five, six years, seven year plans. Um, yeah, and it, it's really exciting to see how quickly it's starting to come about, especially this season. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah, yeah, we have we have covered a lot of topics there. I think we could have had maybe four podcasts off the back of this one, but um, yeah, it's it is it is it is it's it's something that again, look, let's let's not let's not be um, let's be honest about it. Sorry, you know, it does need improving. Things do need improving in regards to certain things like refereeing or whatever it might be. But I think that's the the benefit of it. It's not a case of going. You know, like, like you say, sensation, sensationalizing, whatever it might be that you know the so whoever the referee is has, has made this decision or that decision. You know, there needs to be education for them. There needs to be all of that. And I think it's like anything in life. You can't, yeah, you can't just throw people on the bus if they've not if they've not had any of that education stuff like that. The referees at this level are exactly the same as the players and the coaches and everybody else. You know, we're we're, we're all sort of striving to get to that next level. And so, you know, you need support to be able to do that. Yeah, definitely. And it's, it's it's funny, those that probably criticised the refs last night are probably the same people that criticised VAR and you, you can't have it both ways. But um, just sort of uh, one thing I definitely wanted to touch on, um, you've obviously worked hard and had a superb August and you were able to pick up the uh, the National League Manager of the Month for uh, the third tier. Um, uh, how did that make you feel, that, receiving that sort of personal accolade? Uh, yeah, it was uh, it was really nice. It was really nice. It's always nice to get those. Um, I, it was funny. So I was uh, I was actually down in the uh, in the club shop printing some shirts and stuff um, when Steve came down and just he had the email to say that you've been manager of the month and I'm printing shirts for a few like putting the sponsors and things like that on, um, which goes to show you the day to day jobs that yeah. sometimes I have to go and do. Um, and so we had a laugh about that. But yeah, I was manager of the month, but I'm still down there printing shirts and stuff. But Look, it was it's really nice to get, and and you know I thank the league for, um you know for for giving me that that award and stuff. But it's it's a cliche, but it's so true. And 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 I I don't want to sound sort of uh, how this is going to sound, and it's almost ungrateful or whatever. But I don't. I'm I'm not I'm not a big fan of awards. Ultimately, like you know, I get I get sort of. Yeah, I just don't like them because yeah, we just I'm just coaching, just doing my job and just trying to put the players in a position to go and play. They're the ones that have to go and play. Um, 
manager of the months are great, but you're only manager of the month because your footballers or the footballers that are under your um, guidance at that time are playing really well. So without any of the players and without any of your staff, you wouldn't be getting manager of the month. So, you know, and you see these people, you see, you know, when, when you get manager of the month trophies, it's the standard picture of all the staff and all the players together. And, you know, we all do it for one. And yeah, I'm, I'm very much of that, of that mindset, you know, without any of them, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be named manager of the month. So it says manager on it, but ultimately it means that we've been the best team that month, according yeah. to the league, which is really good. Um, and that's what I said to the, said to the players as well. But personally, I'm not, I'm not really a big fan of awards just because, yeah, it's, yeah, I, I, you know, I think the ones that are voted for by your peers, they're the best ones. If if a group of coaches yeah. voted as, you know, the best, if if a group of coaches said Andy was the best coach this, this month, that'd be great. If a group of players, when when you get, like the end of the season, I love the players' player because you get to see who they really believe. When I have to pick a player, it's kind of like, well, do you pick it because the, the it, I just don't like, I just, I'm not a big fan, but maybe I'm a bit different on that, on that scope of awards. Yeah. But I think when it's, when it's peer, when it's peer reviewed and it's peer, um, assessed or whatever, I think they're they're the ones that mean a little bit more because you get in that you know they they know what you're going through. But it's it is really nice to get and it and and yeah, unfortunately we won't be getting it this month. Seeing as we lost two, well, in, two I was, in I was, I was, gonna, I was trying to a, think of a polite. Yeah, I knew you were going to bring it up. Um, <laughs> well, they say, they say it's a curse <laughs> as well, don't they? Yeah, they do. They do. Yeah, and, and that's the other thing. I didn't I didn't want to say it, but ultimately, as soon as I got that. <laughs> I knew we were going to lose the next couple of games because that's the way it goes. So, yeah, it's uh, no, it's all good fun. <laughs> yeah, so you've obviously, we won't spend too much on it, but um, we've obviously, it'd be remiss if we don't. So, obviously, this weekend you uh, you fell to a 1-0 defeat to Liverpool Feds from the league below, which means that Forrest um, go into the, the National League plate. Um, while that's not the the main National League Cup that's the would be considered the more prestigious, how do you and the players now feel about the plate? Is this something that you're even more motivated to to go on and win because of this defeat? Yeah, it's one of them. Um, yesterday, everyone was everyone was gutted. Everyone was, you know, just that you could see in everyone's faces at the end of the game when we do the little the little huddles on the pitch before we before the girls go off and get get themselves sorted for the the journey back. That everyone was just yeah, oh, like. You know, really, really downbeat with it because I think the the way that they performed in the second half, you know, was we we, we deserved an equaliser, but Liverpool did what they had to do to to stop us. Um, but looking at it today, I mean, obviously, I've not spoke to any of the players today. I'll, I'll see them tomorrow at training. Um, there's 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 a, a sense for myself of a, of a renewed. Do you know what? With the way that the League Cup works, that we now go into the plate there's a real chance and a real opportunity now to get some silverware as well. So it's it's one of those where it's, it's just that, you know, you, you go to bed, you wake up and it's always going to be Monday morning after Sunday. So that renewed sort of optimism when you wake up is is, is there. So yeah, very much so. It, it's that one of, tell you what, we've got a great opportunity now to go and win the plate rather than the, rather than the cup itself, I suppose. Um, yeah, definitely. Because we, we can it. be we can be blunt about it. There's no disrespect to any of the other clubs involved. But if we're looking at teams on paper and looking at the hierarchy, you are going to be a, one of my sort of top three or top four favourites to go and win that trophy. And, and that's something that you and the players really will be hopefully using to galvanise yourselves because you're going to have that self belief to think actually we've got the ability to do so. And potentially failure to get to the sort of the semi-finals in the latter stages. That would would it be fair to say that, that would almost be more of a disappointment than uh, the one-off game to Liverpool Feds? 
Yeah, absolutely. You you want you want. I, I heard a phrase, and because we're in an Olympic, well, and now an Olympic year, you talk about podium finishes. I think that's absolutely. You know, we've got to make sure that we're there, um, there or thereabouts in in all competitions, league and cups. You know, we've got to make sure that we're 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 in those podium positions, and um, and that's where. Yeah, we have to we have to make sure that like you've, you the, the phrase you use galvanize ourselves to make sure that we're we're in the best place possible to to yeah to go on and, and get as far as we can in that competition. Like always, the opposition always have something to say about it. So you know it's not going to be easy, and there's no easy there's no easy games. You've got to earn the right to play, and you've got to battle your way into a match. Um, and and that's the you know that's that's just the nature of nature of sport, isn't it? So yeah, we've got to make sure that we're 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 ready. Sort of for the for the the next round of fixtures, I think tenth of October is the next game, so we'll be ready for that one. Yeah, definitely. So I think, as you say, it's just as prestigious as the the. I I would argue that it's just as prestigious as the National League Cup because of the the quality of team that you you could potentially face. Um, and I know, per, like personally, at the minute I'm thinking, oh, it'd be be really nice if there's a, there's a final against Portsmouth, so uh, I can come and re- I can come and really enjoy it. But then. We, we touched on this earlier when I do things like this, even though I'm from Portsmouth. So I've got my, my, my biggest soft spot is for Portsmouth women. Um, when I do things like this, I think I, I start to build an affinity for a lot of other clubs. So uh, yeah, I'll be, I'll be uh, trying to watch that match as a neutral. If, 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 if that match come around, because you, you feel that like you've got a stake in both clubs and uh, I don't know how, what other sort of football writers feel and, People were involved in since seventy one, but when you do speak to all of these clubs, all of these players, you you, you do feel an affinity for them. So you, you, I can really see how you become a fan of women's football um, as a whole, as opposed to uh, particular clubs. Yeah, yeah, I think that's something that 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 happens um, because of maybe the access um, to players, to coaches, um, to the staff in in women's football. It's a lot at WSL. It's obviously changing, and you'll know better than most in regards to that of. Um, you know the press conferences and things like that. You know you need to go to direct to a club and and not necessarily to a a coach or a player. Um, but the access is still even at that level is still a lot easier. You know it's kind of one phone call, not a press officer, then a player liaison, then the player's agent, then the player. It's just club player or club coach, and so yeah, you get that natural affinity. And and again. There's other little bits. I mean, I've spoke to a couple of players this season, this summer that, that haven't signed for us and have signed for other football clubs. And you just you just make a make a note. You look at what they're doing, um, and yeah, you, you know, you, you you speak about certain. You, you hear their circumstances and, and the reasons why they might sign for another club. And for me, it's always just a case of that's fine. Don't you know? Don't don't be sorry. You know, people ring up. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I you know I don't really fancy it. It's got nothing to do with this. I'm happy. I'm like, don't be sorry about it. It's the nature of. Where we are, we can't offer what what you're looking for because of your circumstances or whatever. And you do even as a even as a coach, you know, you look for a certain team or you look, you'll be like, oh, did who? How did so and so do today? Or you know, I know she's playing it or whatever. I mean, one for me is one that always kind of sticks out is Evie Gain, who's gone to to Portsmouth. Obviously, I had her when she was at Oxford and was getting frustrated because of the lack of sort of maybe opportunities I could give her at the time um, when I was at Oxford, but. You know, she's gone on and she's now at Portsmouth and stuff. So she's a player that always seems to crop up and you're just kind of like, oh, okay, yeah, she's doing that. And, you know, there's players that you work with, players that you've seen or you've spoke to. And it's the same. It's the same. I think it's the same across the league, really. Yeah, it's nice, especially because, let's say, we, we all know the scenario of the women's football. So 
it's very rare, hopefully, that too many bridges are burnt. So therefore, once you're sat home on the bus, you're literally on the uh, the FA full time website, scrolling through, scrolling through, looking at all of the results to see what goes on, and and kind of following like. Your, your phone must be texting all the time people because you're thinking, oh, you, you want to wish someone well because they've got a big game. And there really is a nice network within the women's football. And um, the encouraging thing that even with the TV deals and the increase in um, uh, exposure, the FA, these clubs, the the words that we're getting out is um, effectively volunteers writing in up within our blogs is, they want to still maintain a relationship with us. They're not looking to just dump us and say, no, no, we're national press only. There is still a real keenness to welcome in people like myself, like Girls on the Ball, um, Her Football Hub. Um, they re- they recognise the, the difference that people like ourselves do make to the game, which is really, really pleasing. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's, I, I think and I hope it, it stays for as long as possible, you know, as, as, you know that that yeah, because cause you guys are the ones that you know. Sometimes, I mean, um, one of the ones that I think a lot of people would probably use is is it Warsaw with like the the Twitter handle Warsaw Women's Soccer. Um, yes, yeah, 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 yeah. W O S O, yeah, yeah. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, like, I know, like, a lot of people like screenshot me, like, like the 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 cup rounds. So the the cup rounds for the win. I got screenshotted that one of the places. Says, oh, he's the cup rounds, Andy. Um, and stuff like that, that like yourself, those guys, like you said, um, girls on the ball, um, her football hold the other one. Like you know, there's little bits of content that people pick up, and and even in the game, you're sometimes looking and going like, oh, what have they put about so and so, or they're doing that, or even sometimes in your pre-match and your post-match stuff, it's like, oh, they've wrote this blog. I wonder if they've wrote anything about maybe the way someone plays or something like that, and yeah. you know. Because you're at the core thing. It's one thing that I say to my writers. I think you've got to be honest. And some of our writers, they're affiliated. Well, I say they're affiliated. They're a fan of a particular club. So yeah. I always encourage them and say, I, I'm not asking you to hide your affiliations. But what I will ask you to is, is to be fair. So if you do lose 3-2 to a rival, then talk about that. Yeah. And but you can be actually one of my writers is uh, a Birmingham City fan. And she, I was speaking to her last night. She's like, well, I was going to do a report, but I don't know how to do it without being too critical. I'm like, well, you can do it with being critical, but you're just not, as long as you're not nasty, you don't say that someone's terrible and they should never play again. What you say is, oh, maybe there was a mistake there and they're capable of better, but they'll know that. Uh, something, there's there's ways of going about it. So, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a lovely position to be in. But I'm mindful that we're hitting, um, we, we spoke beginning saying that we thought we had at least um, 25 to 40 minutes worth of content, but we're uh, just shy of the... Uh, well, just the 90 minute mark actually so yeah that's it almost seems quite apt in a way um so you and i could obviously probably go on chatting for sort of another hour about sort of football this and football that but um i'm mindful that all of our listeners have probably got other little bits to do and uh they've, they've probably 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 uh hopefully haven't switched off after uh our talking about children but um yeah enough rambling um so I want to say thank you for taking the time to speak with us. Um, as I say, I'm South Coast based, but I'm hopefully as the world's starting to open up, um, I'm hoping to kind of get up and come and watch games uh, sometime soon. And um, yeah, if we can get a good draw in the latter rounds of the plate and we can get you down south, then uh, even more convenient for me. And I'll uh, I'll bring the little one down. And uh, yeah, if you can get her, uh, get her a shirt, 
I'll uh, I'll make sure she's wearing it. Yeah, perfect. No, we'll do that absolutely. And yeah, if you ever if you ever want to come to Nottingham, yeah, feel free and give me a shout. And uh, yeah, not a problem. But yeah, it'd be uh, it'd be good to uh, good to try and catch up at some point. Definitely. Well, um, who have you guys got at the next game? Uh, we got filed at home, twenty sixth. Cool. Oh well, that's going to be a, a fantastic game. So uh, I'll be making sure to turn the uh, Twitter, no- Twitter notifications on to uh, to follow that one. Um, it's going to be a fantastic one. So best wishes uh, in that game. Um, enjoy the rest of your week and uh, and thanks again. Thank you. Cheers to you and you. Thanks.